The Women in Media podcast is proudly sponsored by Organic Traditions for spring 2024. Stay tuned for a special deal during this episode. I'm Sarah Burke, and this is the Women in Media podcast. If you're new here, I'm exploring what it's like to go through both triumphs and setbacks in the media spotlight. And I certainly can't imagine what that would be like as an Olympic athlete. It became less about do what you've been doing for 15 years and more about I'm going to disappoint people. That's what was really hard for me. And I only really felt that post-concussion. I had the angel, which was protecting me and say, you need to take a break, you need to take a break. And that devil saying, you're not good enough, you're not this, but I was almost feeding the devil more than I was feeding the angel. And so it became a lot louder in my head. If I were to have pulled out and not competed at the Olympics, I would be sitting here today wondering what if. My guest today is the Canadian record holder for the women's pole vault, track and field star and two-time Olympian, Alicia Newman, who's finally relaxing in the off-season after Tokyo 2020. Literally, that's why I'm in my robe. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we're having, we're having our morning coffee together. I, I love know, this. isn't that so cute? <laughs> <laughs> well, cheers, and thank you for finding a little bit of time to come on the podcast, because I assume that, you know, coming off of Tokyo, you needed a little downtime. How's the last few weeks mm-hmm. been, like, decompressing from everything? Yeah, you know, it's like, it's shocking because you you feel like, okay, like, obviously my Olympics didn't go as planned. So I was more so, okay, I'll be fine. Like, I'll still work out and do my off season and do what, what I need to do and heal and get better, whatever. But then all of a sudden it was just like, felt like a train like hit me. I was just like, so exhausted. And I was so holy, like I would sleep for 12 hours and wake up and then feel like I needed to take a two hour nap during the day. It was just a lot. So it's funny that like your body goes in this pilot mode when you have these goals and dreams. And, you know, the older you get, obviously, the more you have to be aware of, you know, putting so much time and effort because you're getting older. So it's maybe my age, you know, I'm 27 now, not that I'm old, but getting older and just really making sure I'm taking care of my body because it might be need a little more attention than I'm, (laughs) than I'm usually ready to give it. Well, even when you say healing, like, let's be real, there's some mental healing that has to go on too, um, with everything that you just put yourself through. So, um, you know, I wanted to bring up that post that you put out on, on August 3rd. I just thought you handled it so well. Yes, you didn't have the best Olympics of your life, but um, you know, you were really real with your fans and with your audience on social media. And I guess talk to me about like, you know, all that pressure, but still finding a way to say this is not defining my career. Yeah, you know, I think I really needed to take like at least two days. I really took a deep breath on saying like how what what am I really upset about? And injury after injury after injury. And yes, they say, you know, fall down seven times, stand up eight, which I did. And I went all the way to the Olympics, but by the time I stood up that eighth time, I was exhausted. And I was so exhausted from healing and my body telling me like, I need a minute that I really was like, no, too bad. The Olympics are not going to postpone for you. You have to go, you have to do what you need to do. And as soon as I got there, it was just a full meltdown, breakdown, everything was just like, I don't even like, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. And my coach would be like, you just, you just slept. Like we just did all these things and you're fine. Like you, and you look great running. You look like the best physical. And I'm like, I know, but like my, it almost felt like we, we talk about when I used to be a gymnast, it's called like the twisties and actually Simone Bile talked about this post. It was the same thing for me as like in track though. It was my head like from my shoulders up, I couldn't like 
picture or see what I was doing. I couldn't visualize like everything was just monotone and numb. But from the chin down, I was running my fastest speed I've ever run. I was breaking like my PRs and all my lifting events and all my running workouts. And so when you see that as a coach, but you can't see it internally, you're confused. And so we were all thrown off. We were all like, what is going on? So I think when I sat down and I, and I, and I revisited, it was that mental aspect of it, my head just really needed a break. It really needed to step away, not just from track and field, but from these goals I set for myself every year, the, this pressure I put on myself every year. So that's kind of, I wanted people to realize, I mean, again, I'm a motivator. I'm, I, I want to inspire people to go after their goals. So for me, it was very much transparency makes you feel so much better too. Like that way you don't have to answer the people like, oh, you should stay off social media or you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do this. It's like, no, social didn't do that to me. It was, I was exhausted. It was just, I was tired and I'm human. So it's, it's really cool to be able to be that vulnerable and, and that, I guess, transparent to my fans because then people are like, oh shit, this is really what was going on. So at the end of the day, it's for, it's for everyone to see, you know? Yeah. I think the part that stood out um, to me, you know, about your post. And I actually like threw a little uh, mm-hmm. quote down here that I wanted to say, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. You could look at my 2021 year and say, I hit rock bottom in my pole vaulting career. Or you could say, damn, Alicia, look at the mountains, obstacles and shit you put up with. So mm-hmm. for any of, uh, you know, your fans who may not know, like what you actually went through with injury mm-hmm. and otherwise, mm-hmm. how did the year leading up to Tokyo actually look? It was a mess. Like it was a complete um surprise after surprise from again it was mostly injury but then I had little things that have never happened in my pole vaulting like breaking poles and all these other things like it was just so it was so like you know when you put all your eggs in one basket and then the basket gets really really heavy that's what happened and my eggs started falling out because I had too many eggs in my basket and that's what I was doing I was getting up focusing on track and putting everything to track that once it went wrong I it was it was like a it was a freak out you know it was a meltdown because it was like oh my god like the Olympics are coming up and it just became it became less about do what you've been doing for 15 years and more about my whole mental switch it was more about I'm going to disappoint people. That's what was really hard for me. And I only really felt that post concussion, but I've never had a concussion this severe before. And when I sat there and I was sitting with my neurologist and we were talking about it and I was telling her the things I was feeling. And I, and I was like, this is not my norm self. Like there's no way that happened in in three months, I changed from wanting to be a gold medalist and a world record holder to wanting to spend time on the beach for weeks on end, you know, like that's not normal. And, uh, and so that's, that's what was really, really tough for me because I had, you you could say like that angel and devil in your, on your shoulder. I had the angel which was protecting me and say you need to take a break you need to take a break and that devil saying you're not good enough you're not this but I was almost feeding the devil more than I was feeding the angel and so it became a lot louder in my head and again you know my neurologist like really sat down and told me listen this is not you. This is what happens when you disrupt your pathways and your your nervous system and everything's changed and so 
it was mind blowing because not only was I healing from ankle injuries, I fell off a scooter and landed on my hip and of all things, a scooter. (laughs) Oh my God. I was just, we were just a bunch of pole vaulters. We were out after a competition and we took those birds out in Europe and we were out for two hours and we weren't drinking none of that. We were all just having a great time. And literally five minutes from the hotel, there was this like construction pylon, but I didn't see the like where the pylon was actually going, went over a bigger hole. And I went like onto the main road and I hit it and I went flying like 40 feet. And because those scooters go so fast and you don't realize it. And also for the record, you're talking to a gal who has injured her ankles since grade 11 over and over and over again. I used to competitive dance and like I I did it this summer, like almost the part that I'm so intrigued with, with like how you recover from injury. It's almost like, like I'm not competing in any Olympics or anything and I'm not training for anything. Like I'm just going to the gym, just going to the gym to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. And when I injure my ankle again, I am so mad at myself right like that two months ahead of like recovering and like all the physio and all the things I get so down and I don't even have this massive goal in front of me so I can't even imagine but it's a different goal too right your goal is to stay healthy and in shape and when something disrupts you it's like shit like I gotta reanalyze this I gotta get healthy and it's I don't ever feel like you go backwards because your body actually gets a lot stronger which is really really cool that the human body can do that it's going to take its time to get back. And and that's what was really hard because that quote was, I hit rock bottom or look at everything I went through. That was my angel and devil because the devil was like, you suck. You hit rock bottom. You should never pole vault again. And then that angel was like, no, 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 no. Look at all the incredible things you went through and you're still here. And that's where I put those two together because people are hard on you, you know, especially when you're in the public eye, people are so tough and so hard on you. That's a big part of this podcast is, um, you know, watching what women go through in the spotlight and Mm -hmm. there's lots of victory, but there's lots of setbacks. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you mentioned Simone, uh, and her experience in the Olympics and what was going through your head when you were following that storyline? You know what? And then obviously I'm like the realest person you'll ever meet is the entire time I was like, I get her. I get it. And it was one of those situations where you're sitting and you're at training and you're reading this and you're like, I can't read this because I am so with her. (laughs) Like I'm in this position too. So I was like, I almost had to not read it because I almost was like, I should, I should pull out because I also feel like there's more to life than just what I'm doing. And it's okay. And I kept saying that to myself, it's okay that you're not ready for this Olympics. It's okay. But the passionate, the, the go-getter Alicia, the, you know, girl that is a lioness that's out on the track and, you know, is out there to claim her victory had that side too. And it's like, how do you, how do you not try till that last second of failing? Do you know what I'm saying? So yeah. if I were to have pulled out and not competed at the Olympics, I would be sitting here today wondering what if. And so I always talk about that. I said, I'd much rather go on a national television and embarrass myself like I did at the Olympics than me have pulled out and said, and it's different. Like what she she does is very, very high technical and it's a different event. It's just personally, I wouldn't be able to live with not knowing if maybe that day it clicked for me. Um, and I think that that's what was really cool about her opening up about that is 
it's way more strong for her to step away than to actually compete because we already know she's one of the best and that will never, ever go away. And I think that that's what was the takeout for me for her was, I don't care that you can be other. Look at what you do. Like, look at who you are. And she's a role model. She's one of the best athletes and female athletes you'll ever see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how did you uh, mentally prepare to still compete at that level when mm-hmm. you were teetering on the edge of maybe pulling out? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. <laughs> like, what, what, what does the day-to-day, you know, in Olympic Village look like when you're trying to keep it together? <laughs> You know, I think that that's the best part is you're with people and your teammates that are going either through the same thing or are so positive and so ready to compete. So you're very actually almost thankful that you're surrounded with these great of athletes because you never walk into an environment where not any of the athletes at the Olympic Village think they're going to lose. And so imagine being surrounded by that for 16 days. You just feel invincible. You feel like a superhero. Um, So for me, it was really, it was really focusing again, trying not to feed that devil side that like was trying to be so negative about who I am and what I was and that my sport represented who I was. And I really stuck around and hung around with positive, uplifting and people that looked at me more than just an athlete. And that's a lot of my teammates because we're all in the same position. So I think for me, it was it was really keeping myself distracted, keep going in the normal routine that, you know, you wake up, you have your breakfast, you meet up with all your other track friends and pole vaulters. Then we all go to the track together. We do our workouts. And at this point, like you're not doing like really crazy workouts anyways. You're, you're more like, I guess you're tapering off is what we call it. And so you're just just the muscles warm and exactly. And and activated. So at this point now, and I'm so happy, I was able to enjoy every day that I was there before it's like, you know, like, I don't want to be out in the sun too long, or I don't want to do this. And this time it was very much, let me go do what I love to do. And that's what I kept reminding myself is I love being here. And there's not a day that if I'm not at a track, like even right now, it's like, shoot, I feel like I need to be at my track because it's just my, it's more than a sport for me. It's my let go. It's my, you know, my peace of mind. It's something that challenges me every single day. And it's this crazy little event, you know, and that's why I keep going back to it. So um, I think what I did is I went back to my roots on like right from the beginning and surrounding myself with the people that wanted to see me do great, even though we all had you know, we all said we needed a miracle that day and, and it wasn't my miracle and that's okay. I've heard you kind of say that that might be your, your last Olympics and whether it's professional golf, or I even heard you say something <laughs> about like broadcasting career, which girl, we can yeah. talk about that. Yeah. But right. <laughs> how, how does the unwind mm-hmm. look right now? Yeah. So for me, um, obviously I'm an athlete and I don't want to end my career on what happened in 2021. I don't, I don't think it would ever settle with me. I would don't think I'd be the best mother. I don't think I'd be the best friend, sister, daughter. If I said, you know what, I'm done pole vaulting, I'm moving on and I'm going to 
enjoy my life and I'm going to do other things. So I know deep down in the back of my head, I'm going to be going back and I, I need to make that statement for myself, not for anyone else, but for myself. And I, but again, I'm in um, actually cognitive therapy right now. So it's about a six week program. And what it is, is I'm, I'm working really close with my neurologist and we meet every other day. And it's something that I wish someone came to me right from the beginning and said, you need to be a lot more kind to yourself because I put way too much pressure on my head to heal faster than it needed to. So that is like my number one thing, because not, I don't, I don't want to heal my head for pole vault. I need to heal my head because I'm 27 years old and I still have the rest of my life to live. So it's really important for me that I can get my, I guess you could say my motivation back being thankful to wake up every morning, right? Because some people don't. And that's where we, I think we take that for granted. So I'm working really close with that. So that's kind of my off season, which is not normal. Usually we rest and then we don't, I don't talk to any of my coaches. I'm like, you guys go away. I go away, you know, but I'm in this therapy. So it'll be six weeks long. Um, and then I'm really, you know, social media and, and, and being I guess you could say I call myself an inspirational influencer. Um, Hell yeah. Is, yeah, it's something that I am so thankful I have. Because when I was at the lowest of my lows on the track last year, I was doing so well on social. And it was companies were feeding off of my positivity. And so I think for me in my off season, it's, it's almost like we restructure. What is this going to be this year? What do you want to look like? What do you want to do? What do you want to do different? And so it's really exciting for me because this is where my creative side comes in as a human, as Alicia Newman. And I get so excited when I talk to companies and these are the goals. I want to work with these six companies this year. I like what they stand for. Here's why. Um, so yeah, so we do kind of stuff like that off the track too. And then a lot of downtime. So I'm going to Aruba for two weeks with my best friend. So we're, we're going to go down there and we're going to relax and, and kind of just fall off the face of the earth for a little bit, a time to step away from being so intense and having your heart rate higher than 170 every day. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> That's literally what I tell people. I was like, my heart rate hasn't reached above 170 in like two weeks. And holy moly, I just feel so good. And I, I saw the quote of, you know, it's, oh, it, it was that post on the letter to my Olympians. I just posted that yesterday. And it's so cool the way Brooke put it. And she put it as take off the stopwatch, take off the goals, that guilt, like let it go because some days I'll be like sitting watching Netflix till like one in the afternoon. And I'm like, shoot, like I didn't accomplish anything today. And to have that mental go every single day, all day, all year, it's exhausting and it's not okay. So stepping away and tuning back into your body, I think that that is something I've never really done. And that's what I'm really looking forward to. So you mentioned um, working with brands and how you had a few brands that like really spoke to you and aligned with your values. Yeah. So I think, well, I know nothing. I mean, from the beginning of me working with companies, I used to take everything because I was like money, I need money, you know, because like we're track athletes, we don't make money to, you know, live post-track, you know, we make it just enough so that we can keep training and not having a job. For me, I want to build an, an empire is what I call it for my family, for my children. Like I want to be well-connected. 
I want my kids to have the best opportunities and I want people around me, my family and my friends to have the best opportunities too. So I think when we used to start, I used to just get so excited and I did everything and I had this cute little gold, silver and bronze um, packaging and I would send it to the company and I would say, hey, listen, this is what you get in the gold, silver and bronze. You pick and that way they have options. And I always was so good. And I don't know if it's my mom that raised me this way, but they don't need you as much as you need them. And that's from that get-go of me learning that and learning it's a business and learning to be unique and to be different is what really brought me to that next level of social media is because I'm on every single first call with every new client, even if we don't sign with them, because I need them to see who I am and what I'm passionate about. Because again, social, we only see the bare minimum. We see maybe 20% of what I actually am and what I really want to do with my life post track and everything. And I think that that was really important to me because I really wanted to rep my, nobody will represent themselves better than me. And, um, and I've I've been told that. And, and when you are told that you're good at one thing, you want to keep doing that. And so now when I sit down and I talk to companies and and I'm with companies, a big thing for me is longevity. I'm not, I don't want to do a one-off post. I'm not very, you know, I mean, making that money for a one-off post is nice, but I want to build something. And I, and if there's one thing I've learned in track and field is commitment, consistency, and longevity is what's made me who I am today and made me one of the best pole vaulters in the world. And so if I can do that with a company, you know, maybe one post won't do well. And that happens and because it doesn't attract or appeal to some people. But that's why failures are so important is because if something doesn't work, then you can go back and do that. And so that's what I kind of approach to these companies is I want to be a multiple, a multiple post with you guys. And it's not because I want you guys to give me all your money, but it's more because let's, let's see what works for your brand and not because just as you guys are learning, I'm learning too. And so let's learn and win together. And I think a lot of people appreciate that. And a lot of people see where I come from on that point and they value that. And they, and they're like, okay, she's not just in this for the money. Because again, like, of course I need money and I need that to survive and to live and, and to be a human. But I also am so, how can you say I'm so content and I'm so happy when a company comes back or someone says, that inspired me, or that was such a cool idea. Like get so excited when I hear stuff like that, or companies email me. That was the best photo shoot we've ever been a part of. Thank you for being you. Like that's what makes me reassure that I'm doing things right. And I think that that's kind of what I've turned my social to is, um, is working with people that want to work with me that want to be great and want to go to that next level and not just be a quick ad. It's Sarah Burke here, the host of the Women in Media podcast and the founder of the Women in Media Network. Yep, now there's an entire network. I've been working really hard to get things off the ground. And what would I do without coffee? I can barely function without it. But I feel much better about putting a coffee that's full of superfoods in my body. I've been loving the Focus Fuel Instant Mushroom Coffee from Organic Traditions. And of course, all the ingredients are organic. It's packed with lion's mane mushroom to support memory, focus, and cognitive function, adaptogens to nourish your brain, and MCT powder to boost your energy and improve mental clarity. And before you make that face, no, it doesn't taste like mushrooms. It tastes like coffee. 
actually better than most. There are hints of cinnamon and vanilla, and it is absolutely delicious. Did I mention it also just won Best New Mushroom Enhanced Beverage in a 2024 Brand Spark survey? Want to try the Focus Fuel Mushroom Coffee yourself? Head to OrganicTraditions.com and use the promo code WOMENINMEDIA20 for 20% off at checkout. And by the way, that applies for the entire site, not just the coffee. You're welcome. Just add water and get at it. Yeah. Tell me about um, a brand partnership experience you've had where you have felt as though your transparency has been super appreciated. Yeah, like Cadillac. Oh my gosh. Like it is so fun for me to go to the, my, my, um, dealership because Roy Foss is just so intrigued in my ideas and they're so excited because, and they're one of the only companies I actually had a whiteboard in my room. I was so thankful that they wanted to support me and still support me post Olympics because of the situation. And when you see that you want to work harder, they were just so good on set. And the, the photos I wanted to take, I didn't want to be standing in front of a car. I wanted to be, you know, tying my shoe on the back of the car or like, you know, a drive. I got a driver with the Escalade. So they're going to open the thing and he has a nice cute top hat. And so they really were open to that idea and risking my lioness sexy side and they enjoyed it. And they were like, this is, this is amazing. I've just always been very, very thankful about them because they've, They've really, and they've introduced me to some incredible people too, right? And, and I see, I see business in a different way with them too. So it's exciting. Yeah, that is exciting. Yeah. Uh, okay. Rewind a little bit. Go back to one of your first brand partnerships or like signing with Nike or yeah. so, something like that. Like, I, I want to hear about a moment where you were like, what me yeah. <laughs> like early on? Yeah, I would say, oh my gosh. I would say Nike was one of my biggest first when I finished college or university. Um, and I got, I got, or I went pro that following like that March and they wanted to take me and do a whole like photo shoot and stuff. It was so exciting, but I didn't know who I was. I had followers, but I didn't have followers that college girls have now like it wasn't like that for me right and so it was really cool for me and that Nike took me and let me be whoever I wanted and it was cool because at one point of the interview I was they they interview you and they kind of do like um I guess you could say like a vocal over the video and like I was saying something I was like no 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 I gotta redo it like this is not who I am and they're like, oh, okay. So we, we restarted three or four times and I was dying laughing because I wish I got the original one or two, but I was trying to be someone that I was not. And what I was so thankful for is I caught myself right before that all happened. And I was able to really dial in and, and just be like this, you and I talking, it feels like I'm out for coffee with you right now. Right. Yeah. And they dealt with me being like, no, reshoot, 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 like <laughs> round six, round seven, you know? Um, and, and, uh, I guess I could say I was just really, really nervous. And I was really like, it has to be perfect. Everything has to be aligned, like my makeup, what I'm wearing, all this stuff. And I took so much control, you know? And so that's kind of was a reality check for me because, it ended up going like a roller coaster. I was sad. I was crying. And then I was like, okay, I'm fine. And then, you know, it was up and down. I was all over the place. And my mom was there and she'll be like, oh my gosh, my daughter's so emotional. <laughs> like, 
all they wanted to do was shoot some cool video around the city and talk about like what she's accomplished and she can't even do that so it's like that pressure and that overthinking right you just you just are like I just want to do so well so people are happy and excited about it I learned right away right off the start it was one of the that's best. sort of when you realized it was <laughs> like it had gone from a hobby to a profession like you were yeah. you literally and that that that's what was exciting for me because I was like oh my gosh like if you told me this four years ago that I could go like pro and do my thing that I love the most every day and get paid for it, gosh, I would have jumped higher a lot, a lot earlier, you know? (laughs) So (laughs) when did you know that you wanted to compete at this level? When did the switch happen Mm -hmm. from, you know, it just being like school track and field to like, I'm going to go for this for big time. Yeah, I think it would have been, we call it junior year in university. So second year university, Um, I had gone to this Pan American Games and I broke an international record. So I had I had broken all the Canadian records leading up to that point, which was cool. And that's my country. And that's cool to see my name on everywhere in Canada. Right. But for me to break an international meaning that me, I was the best performer ever in the world. And I think that when I saw that and I saw I got um, I got athlete of the meet. So it was in Pan- junior Pan American Games and I got this trophy, not just my gold medal, but I got a trophy on the best performer of the games. And I was like, this is really freaking cool. I cannot believe that my coaches saw it before me and all I did was trust them and what I was capable of doing. And it was really amazing to see that all the hard work, the smeared off bottles that I poured out and filled with water, all that stuff that I did was worth it for that moment for me. And that's the best advice I've ever gotten from somebody was my mom. And she said, parties, events, modeling, all these things will be there, but because you're an athlete, it's only going to last so long. So if this is what you want to do, you need to give it a good two, 20 years. And she always called in. We had a mentor, Brian Risk, and he said it's called the 10,000-hour game. And it's putting in the 10,000 hours to get to just the beginning of being professional. And when I heard that at, gosh, that would have been high school level, I was completely immature and like oh okay well I'm breaking records so what are you guys talking about these 10,000 hours like I don't well that's a long time like no I'm already one of the best you know and I had that I had that like confidence on the track because I was and I love that and I think that that confidence takes you to the next level like if you walk out into a room a meeting and you know you're, you're putting that hammer down and you're going to run that meeting or you're going to walk out of the track and you're going to win most likely you're going to and uh And for me as a child to be surrounded by that and then put into an environment in the United States where I wasn't the best and I, every meet I was getting third or second place. It was, it was hard. It was hard to a point that I needed to step my game up. And when I knew that, and I, I'm thankful that I got that scholarship because I was able to be challenged week after week after week. And when you get settled, A, you kind of lose motivation and B, you think you're good. You don't need to do any more. You're already winning. So what's the point, you know? And that that's where it really changed for me is 
breaking that record, winning, winning that trophy, and then getting my ass kicked in university (laughs) every week, because I was like, damn, I'm not the best. I'm not the best yet. And that's kind of where I was like, I can do this professionally because I don't want to be the best in college or university. I want to be the best in the world. And that's why 2019, it was, I was third in the world. I went from 2016, 16th at the Olympics. Then the next year I was 10th at the world championships. Then Commonwealth games, I won, but it wasn't all the countries. It's only the Commonwealth countries. So I got first there and I was fifth in the world. And then 2019 was third. And then 2020, you know, was supposed to come around and that was my time and it didn't work out and that's okay. But it was more so it's a phase, it's a journey. And I just kept building the blocks. So are you telling me that you went to university not thinking that you were going to do this? Like what, what did the scholarship yeah. was nice, but what did you think you were going to do? I was getting my school paid for. Like I was the, the most ecstatic. My parents don't have to pay for my schooling. Like how cool is that? Like, mom, you're welcome. You know, like, you know, well, what did you want to do? What did you want to study other than, well, you know, the scholarship? Yeah, I did kinesiology. So I really wanted to get into like a private practice too. I wanted to do Cairo and I wanted to do, I guess you could say like um, spiritual healing. So a lot of, um, I do a lot of hypnotherapy right now and a lot of intuitive into your body. And I was always very spiritual growing up. And my mom didn't know where I really got it from more so that I found a lot of peace connecting to the earth and being grounded and, and simplifying life is where I felt like I was my most successful. So I wanted to do that. I wanted to put that into practice, but then again, I started getting better and better and better at track that it was like, Oh, okay, well, I can qualify for the Olympics. And then that was the goal. My graduation year, I graduated from university on in 2016. And then I went to right to the Olympics, but I didn't know because in my head, it was like, the records are great. Bringing home medals are great. But I, now I'm done university, I need to live and I need money and I need to work. And I come from my dad's side as a farm family, you know, up at 4am picking the tomatoes, one bucket is 25 cents is what he was raised upon. And that's what, how he raised me, you know, I was out doing chores before school, and I was doing stuff like that. And so for me, it was a no brainer, because I think the mentality in Canada is go to university, get your education and then work. But then being in the States and kind of being around these, I could say risk takers, it was very opening to me that, oh my gosh, you can actually get by making $40,000 a year if you're doing that in track and field, right? And I started realizing that I didn't want to be stuck in a profession that was forever, that was going to... I guess say that, okay, Alicia, you're going to be a Cairo or you're going to open your own practice and you're going to literally do that for the next 40 years. Like that gave me anxiety because I was like, no, I don't want to be stuck in one place and I don't want to be just known as that. Like I want to have chapters and I want to have books and I want to want to do different things in my life. So once I knew I was in the top and then once I won NCAAs and national championships and stuff, I really started looking into it and looking into agents and looking all that. And they said, yeah, you could, you could make it. And the best thing I've ever done for myself was perform at international competitions. And a lot of track athletes don't understand that because they're like, yeah, well, you run this fast in Canada. You jump this high in Canada. 
That's not what they want to see. They want to see you perform on demand and when it's the most important, which is world championships, Olympics, places where there's a lot of media and a lot of attention because again, it's a business. And I was very thankful my 20, my 2016 and 2017 year, I did that. And uh, I always have the best story for people that are first starting out is every international competition I got invited to, I brought them a little maple syrup, like the meat director. And I thanked them because I needed to do something because I still wasn't the best. And I needed to do something to A, thank them for allowing me and to paying for everything to be there. And B, I want to be reinvited to these meets. So even if I didn't perform well or jump high, I needed them to know that I still thought about them and appreciate them. Yeah. And it did, it did a, so good for me because you give, you invest into other people, you're going to get that in return, some shape, some way in life. And, uh, and ever since then, I've never not been invited to an international competition. And I think that that's where you start realizing like, oh my gosh, I can be one of the best now because they're giving me these opportunities. And when you're like, like I said before, when you surround yourself with the best women, best males in the world, it just raises your level to the next level. And that's what I kept doing. I kept being in environments that I wasn't the best in to be the best, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, totally. Even like, you know, I, I have a lot of musicians that I interview and mm-hmm. when you want to get better at songwriting, you go to Nashville, surround yourself with the best songwriters in the world. And that's mm-hmm. how you get better at everything. What is your proudest moment? You've sort of spoken about your lows in, in last yeah. year, but uh, what's your proudest moment? <sighs> That one's hard because I think when I was little, I always did, like, we watched the Olympics every two years, the winter and summer, and I always wanted to, like, go to the Olympics. And so that was a big title for me. But that gold medal and bringing and having a piece of metal (laughs) and gold to bring home to your country saying, look at, I'm not just going out and running around a track every day. Like this is hard work. Like having something, you know, it's, it's like, it's like you putting in 40 hour weeks and getting your paycheck. Right. You're like, I put in that work. I deserve that money. Well, for me, for that Commonwealth gold medal, it was look at all that, that training, the blood, sweat and tears and the, the failures. This is all like, here it is. It's right in this one piece of metal. And so that to me was, really really um inspirational moment I inspired myself which sounds really weird (laughs) really weird because it was like you got to understand the top 10 women are centimeters from all being the best like we're all we all jumped about the same and it's who's better that day and just knowing that I was able to bring that home and to see the the joy on my coach's face that their time's not wasted because I take a lot of their time away from their families. Um, they also have full-time jobs on the side. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it shows that we're not just, you want purpose in life. And it, it showed me that I had purpose to, you know, make other people around me better. And, and that metal really opened doors for me to a point that my confidence was like, damn, Alicia, you really put on a show and you really showed up. 
and you showed up not just for yourself you showed up for your coaches your family your friends and then the country and that's what was really really empowering for me that's probably the best moment where are your medals in your home do you have them in my home? actually i'm re-renovating the basement right now and it's gonna be like a cool like i'm putting a simulator golf in there nice and i have a little pool table and then i got all my like canadian jackets like my olympic jackets and my uniforms that each year and each generation of my nike uniforms so I have it all, it's going to be all in my champion room downstairs and then I'll have my medals and stuff hanging in there. Oh, so. I love it. Awesome. <laughs> okay, so I like to wrap up this podcast um, asking mm-hmm. you about some women that inspire you um, yeah. to come on this podcast and tell their stories. Uh, who would you oh choose? Oh my gosh. I mean, I get inspired by all the Canadian women track and field team. I think we are some very hardcore, powerful women that we have a goal and we see our side or like what we want to accomplish. But I think what I've really, really enjoyed on social is Brianna. Ever since I've been on social, I love what she represents. I love who she is. I love that, you know, music was one part of her life and now she's this billionaire entrepreneur and she uses her brand and who she is, which is very out there, but she also brings a lot of her culture to her everyday life which is amazing because it's just who she is right and um a Naomi the tennis player I think she has completely shook shooken up the media I think she is starting to show people what is really important and me having these press conferences and sitting and talking to these people sorry but you guys don't come first and it's important to put people in that in that I guess you could say category because she's out there because she loves tennis. You know, she wants to be the best tennis player. But again, she's also like, I'm human too. Like, why don't people see me as just human? And I think I really enjoyed watching her documentary and enjoyed seeing where, like she's figuring out who she wants to be. She's young. And so with the media and people telling her, oh, why don't you represent Japan more? Why don't you represent Jamaica more? Like, why aren't you doing all of it and it's like because she can't she can't do everything and make every person happy and it's cool for her to use her platform and remind people of that and remind people that it's okay if I lose a game I don't really feel like I need to go and talk about it I'm going to go and into my locker room I'm going to shower and I'm going to go home and I'm going to sleep and I'm going to get up and do everything all over again and that was really eye-opening because I feel like a lot of times athletes feel like we need to entertain and do all this but again like before we had social media like it was important for sponsorships but now like I could be my own reporter if I wanted to on my social and I could tell every single person I never want to do a media or a conference again and I could probably just vlog it you know and we have access to that so I think um yeah those two girls to me are just very very powerful and and yeah that'd be amazing if you got it with that any of them <laughs> can you imagine if Rihanna called me back my god yeah. you're like oh you're welcome I'm like actually can I be on it too so I can meet her <laughs> okay g- give me someone who might actually respond to a, a media request someone yeah. someone you know someone yeah. you know you know I I value Melissa Bishop I don't know if you know of her, but she, to me, I've looked up to her since I've been little. She was somebody that pretty much was so 
like get out of my way but she's so composed with everything that happened in 2016 to her um and then happening again this year and this is her third olympics it was really really exciting for me to be around her and just see and she was our captain actually this year in in tokyo so it was cool to see and I remember sitting in my first Olympics, sitting next to her, and I was so nervous being named at the, uh, the the big city hall downtown. And I was like, is this what it's like? She goes, yeah, yeah. And she was like, but don't worry, like, it gets better. Like, this is this is just the beginning. And, I'm, and she just walked me through it. And she's a very inspirational. She's a mother now. And I think that's a whole other life that... I want that. Like, I want my little girl or my little boy to come watch me compete. Like, that is so incredible to, to put your body through already a birth and then come back as one of the best athletes in the world. I mean, that's a whole other accomplishment in itself. So she would be great to talk to. And I, and I actually haven't heard her talk into in-depth podcasts like this. So it'd be interesting to see that. Okay, I'm on yeah. it. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, I, I know that the decompressed time uh, is mm-hmm. super important right now. So I appreciate you making some time for it. No, I appreciate it. It actually sometimes reminds me that, you know, Alicia, you did do a lot. You know, you're okay. You can take some time. And so it reminds you. So it's it's nice sometimes. And you're so nice too and beautiful. Oh. So it's always like, that's easy. <laughs> it truly is inspirational. The way that you've come yeah. out of it was so much, like you said, you're an inspirational influencer. And yeah. I think that a lot of young women need to hear the things that you were saying. So congrats on all your accomplishments. Thank you. Thanks, Sarah. I appreciate that. And I would love to golf with you. Just yes. No, seriously, we really am enjoying it. Like I really like it. And maybe I'll do it post-track. Like after I'm retired from there, maybe I'll pick up a new sport and do I that. Can I could see it. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was a pleasure having coffee with you. Yes. And have a great day. Starting my morning. I appreciate yes. that. Okay. See ya. All right. Bye, girl. Is there anything more inspiring than what Alicia Newman did there? She took what some may view as complete failure and turned it into a lifelong lesson about taking care of her body and her mind. She's got several projects and partnerships on the go, and I will direct you to her socials to keep up with her. By the way, she's also a fabulous entrepreneur. Her links are in the episode notes. My links are in the episode notes. And my next guest is quite the entrepreneur herself. But more on that in a few weeks. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't hit subscribe on your favorite podcast service, maybe you'd do me a solid and do that right now. I'm Debbie Travis. And I'm Tommy Smythe. And this is Trust Me, I'm a Decorator. We're now podcasters. And why did we call it that? Well, you know us as decorators, but we've got lots more to share. We want to talk about travel and relationships. We're going to have amazing guests on. Guests who inspire us for sure. We'll probably talk about design too. And of course, Tommy, don't forget about food. Oh my gosh, how did I forget about food? So please follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or as they say, wherever you get your podcast. And we'll pop right up when we have a new episode. Where's us luck? This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.